Joso. Uh, no. More about gel coat. When the force. Don't you call in the. More importantly. Now the world don't move to the beat. Do you have earphones you could put in, my love? I can. Where would you like me to put them in? Uh, your ears this time. Okay. Yeah. Your rears? Your rears. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you a story while you're hunting? Um, so my best friend, Steve Miller, not a musical theater voice. He has a very deep rooted, straight tone, classical fill baritone voice, like a fill voice, not really a soloist. This is we're going back like literally 25 years through a series of fortunate events. He ended up in the title role of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I was playing <laughs> Linus. And are you OK? Yeah, I just pictured him as Steve Miller that I know now. Yeah, no, um, not the Steve Miller you know now right, as Charlie Brown. 25 Rapp. years ago, but yeah, 20. still. <laughs> <laughs> but the line, gotta make sure it doesn't get the best of me till I get it in the air somehow. Well, if you're singing it with an overly classical round tone, Ms. Lamont. Oh my God, I want to be in the front row. <laughs> gotta make sure it doesn't get the best of me till i get it in the air somehow till you get it in the what somehow <laughs> doesn't sound like you're singing air sounds like you're singing ass the ass <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's how you'd sing it oh, so we were like um <gasps> honey what so is it you can't face <laughs> Listen, do you hear the extras uh, this week? Maddie no, McDermott I and I, we do a whole, whole, what is it? What is it you can face thing in the extras this week? Oh my God. It was very, very fun. Good times. Um, okay. How we, how we doing? We feel like we're ready to start doing this. I jumped back full on the whole 30, David. You jump back. What? I you, had to. I somehow, so you mean you made the the whole thirty into a whole or sixty? No, I went. I decided after thirty, I was going to do a model modified. Mm -hmm. I, I should be able to have a spoonful of peanut butter. I'm sorry, I'm a grown. Yeah, man. and and a box of pop tarts. Fuck yes, you should. No, I did, but see, I don't want a box of pop tarts. Just a fucking spoonful of peanut butter. So I was, was like, I had some, I had some that, and I had natural sugar. Like I had like ketchup with. Um, simply ketchup, which is actually made with sugar, not corn syrup and fructose and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I just fucking felt like I ballooned back up. So I got to go back to Detroit next week. Mm -hmm. Are you are you back performing live? Yeah, that's exciting. Okay, <laughs> you're not excited um, to perform in front of a live audience again. I'm not excited to be around people. Yeah, in a closed space. <laughs> Well, you're fully vaccinated, though. You're past your two weeks. You're, you're... I know, but still, I'm a yeah. diabetic, overweight, former smoker. So, mm -hmm. like, if I get it, it's not going to be like, anyway, 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 anyway. Point of the story is, I made some vegetable soup last night, David, and this is the reason I'm bringing this up. I added cauliflower to it because I've really enjoyed discovering cauliflower. I don't know about you. Have you ever um, had a cauliflower pizza? I. Uh, many people have told me and, and sung the praises of a cauliflower pizza. I, I have not. You have not tried it or you have not felt that way about it? Not tried it. I, David, have we met? Yes. <laughs> I am the equivalent to a 12-year-old when it yeah. comes to eating. 
it was the best fucking thing I've ever put in my fucking mouth. I will well, never after eat the, after pizza again. After a month of the whole 30, <laughs> I mean, a, a compost heap would have tasted okay. No, it was fucking delicious. Who was it? Tell me. I think it was Wesley. Okay, cauliflower pizza. It's it's a frozen thing in your in your grocer's shelf, as it were. I got mine at Aldi's, mm-hmm. and it's one of those like you know how they have like the frozen pizzas like from Mama Celeste, but they've got the Aldi's have been made at Aldi's. You know, oh like yeah, the, the deli pizzas. I yeah, guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those. And- <gasps> David. I swear to God, <laughs> I, f- anyway, point of the story is I added cauliflower to my vegetable soup. The reason I bring this up to it is because if you see me suddenly get up and run, it is because I am not gambling on farts this evening. <laughs> if I Here. feel a fart, I am not entirely positive that, <laughs> that it will not pick up a hitchhiker. So I've been running several times today. Not only that, because I made the soup last night, but I went to Aldi's today and got myself some organic chicken um, and plant-based um, sausages, which are fucking amazing. They're like bratwurst, but chicken and mildly Italian and all made with vegetables. Anyway, they're de- fucking delicious. Uh-huh. However, they have added to the, I'm like, I, I'm a walking time bomb, David. <laughs> so, so this discussion of this piece of shit show, um, it might be not, it might not be two hours. I'm just saying that. It's okay. This, we, we, we need to move this along because our discussion of the shit show could uh, become a real life shit show. Oh my God, David. And you don't get that on a zoom room with me unless you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can't think of a better conversation to invoke the entertainment gods. David, so why did we watch another different stroke? Did we not learn our lesson the first time? <laughs> or the second time? This is our third. I mean, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me <laughs> twice. Shame on. The point is, you can't fool me a third time. And you did. David. <laughs> well, and here's not only thing- that, a fucking two-parter. It's a two-arter. That's how you lured me in. <laughs> You said I you said I need you, Matthew. It's a two arter. I don't know any friends with the last name Arter. I wish <sighs> I, I wish it had been better. But here's the deal. Originally, uh, it occurred to me that we have never watched or analyzed the original backdoor pilot of different strokes that created the facts of life. It was called the girls school, AKA Garrett's girls, because at one time that's what the name of the show was going to be. That would have been weird at the beginning of season eight when Mrs. Garrett left. <laughs> but The deal is um, with, I, I can't find it. It was on a, a daily motion. Once upon a time, I'd posted it on the blog for the podcast. And I was like, I couldn't find it. I was like, I fucking know this exists. Went back to it. The video had been taken down. So Garrett's Girls is not out there anymore. And I'm devastated. Well, I'm more surprised by the fact that Different Strokes isn't more readily available. Yeah. I mean, I can get 227 on at least five different streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't get different strokes. I feel like different strokes is a bigger hit, but I don't know. I yeah, don't know no, how. it's, 
But it's the same thing of how the facts of life are not available on the street. There's a threes company channel on Pluto TV. There is an Andy Griffith show channel. Somebody is paying royalties for old sitcoms. Is it that expensive? Is the price point so high? Especially since 75% of the cast is dead (laughs) on on different strokes. No, be nice. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Well, Matthew and I, as I'm sure our dear, dear Tutti Fruities know, we watched the two-part Different Strokes episode, The Bank Job. <laughs> and Which, again, I was misled by the title. Because <laughs> The Bank Job was one of the first actual performing gigs I ever did um, in Tijuana. <laughs> it was in a show called The Bank Job. Um, <laughs> let's just say it involved making change. All right. And do they? It, it was a specific um, talent that you had to have <laughs> to do this. You would eat a dollar. Anyway, anyway, point of the story is we watched the bank job. <laughs> Sorry. Enough about me, David. I'm going to, my heart, I can't do this. Are there, is there such a thing as Tony Awards in Tijuana for that type of entertainment? Oh, yeah. They're called the um, Antonio Awards. Anto- um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Do, do you have an Antonio Award? Did you ever get rewarded or well, recognized? The weird thing is, the Antonio Award is actually a, a, a boy named Antonio. And <laughs> as soon as that kid turned 18, he was out the fucking door. <laughs> and I haven't heard from him since. Oh, I... God... In the words of Liza Minnelli, sorry, I asked. (laughs) So different strokes. Let's talk about the bank job on a show called Different Strokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing sexual coming into play here. This was actually, we call it a two-part episode. It's actually uh, a an hour long episode. That was the season premiere for season three of the series original air date november 12th of 1980 and uh want to know something interesting matthew oh i would love to know something interesting well this was on wednesday night it is the first show of the season so it was on at nine o'clock after real people and it was the nine to ten o'clock hour well the following week different strokes was back to being a half hour and the second half hour was what show Facts of Life. And it was which landmark episode? Oh, it was the one where Joe shows up, isn't it? Uh huh. It was the New Girl Part One. Mm. So, just to kind of, whenever we look at these shows with the crossovers and the girls, I'm always like, okay, what is this? Is this season three Blair or season four Blair? Yeah. This is 2D before we get into what is the facts of life before that show is really reestablished and the new premise is set into motion. Tootie Ramsey therefore has only existed for those 13 episodes from season one. So continuing with actually the, the little business here directed by Garen Keith, Garen Keith directed a lot of episodes of the show and uh, we've already discussed him. I believe he's African-American and it was written by Howard Leeds 
Ben Starr and Martin Cohan. They are the creators of the show. And uh, you'll also recognize their names because the first two in that list, Howard Leeds and Ben Starr, they, with Jerry Mayer, are credited on every episode of The Facts of Life with Developed By. Mm. So, yeah, they didn't actually write any episodes of the show. Uh, Jerry Mayer is the one who is the developed by guy that I think stayed around in the writer's room at Facts of Life. Uh, Martin Cohan, by the by, went on to create another little sitcom called Who's the Boss, which we've discussed many times. And can we talk about the opening credits? The theme song, David, is just delightful. It's just Isn't a it? delightful theme song. It's got a it's a good hook, it's a good earworm, it's a it's just a great melody. Mm-hmm. But I know we often talk about the funny um, um, title cards for yeah. Facts of Life. How we'll have one of Mrs. Garrett just like saying they're smiling awkwardly for 14 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um which, by the way, dear listeners, time yourself smiling awkwardly for 14 seconds mm-hmm. and see how long a time that is. But um, <laughs> uh, because by the end, you're like, oh, <laughs> um, but different strokes chose to use stills of, of some people, David, of all of them. And they were not they were like a frame late. Mm. Like the one of of Chad Todd Bridges, he looks like he's just about to open his eyes all the way. I don't know. They were all weird, just a little bit off to me. And it reminded me of High School USA when they did that. And Oh, my were... God. High School USA. Yes. So anyways, I, I, I'm glad you noticed that. No, I did, too, because it's all, you know, some opening themes are like all stills like Cheers. You know, Cheers is all just pans of old tin types or you know line drawings from turn of the century but the fact that this is a lot like the facts of life theme in that it's clip of something happening clip of gary coleman doing something precious physical thing dana plato descending the stairs in a princess costume then still yeah conrad bain and 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 a still of conrad bain where he's not quite smiling and he's not quite not smiling yeah yeah. It's like a, a frame, one more frame, and they would have had a good one. You're, you're right. You're right. It's like one frame too late. Uh, so, um, and of course, the vocals by the song's composer, the wonderful Alan Thicke. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I talked earlier about how this was on After Real People, and uh, it was on from 8 to 9 p.m. on NBC. Uh, the show that was on after this, Quincy, Jack Klugman show. Remember Quincy? Wow. I do. I do remember Quincy. Quincy. And then on ABC, opposite this, in the eight o'clock hour, we had Eight is Enough. And then opposite this, Taxi and Soap. After Soap was Vegas on ABC. So that's the the thing, Vegas being the um, uh, Robert Urich show. Yeah. What won the night? I never watched Soap. I was never a big Soap fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but what won the night, do you suppose? The, the network I know that did not win this night, CBS. <laughs> <laughs> because in eight o'clock, eight o'clock time slot, they had Enos. Oh, God, what is that? It that sounds like an ointment. <laughs> E-N-O-S. That is the spinoff from the Dukes of Hazard, where one oh. of the law enforcement guys moves to L.A. 
It's pronounced enus. E- well, if I say enus, you're going to make a joke that it rhymes with another word. Anus. <laughs> and penis, David. It does, it's both of them. Anus and penis. <laughs> How would you like to have your name announced for winning an Emmy for that? Oh, it's David Almeida for penis. Anus. <laughs> anus. What? Is, oh. Yeah. <laughs> What if the title role, you know, oh, yeah. Matthew God. Arter as anus. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Yes. Oh, I remember what was app. Was it a half hour? Was that a sitcom? It was an hour long. It was like Dukes of Hazzard. It was like a dramedy, right. probably okay. more for laughs. And then after that, now in the nine o'clock hour, the CBS Wednesday movie, <laughs> a movie called, I shit you not homeward bound. And um, I get all of this information, by the way, from a wonderful website called tvtango.com. But it was a different website called ultimate70s.com that gave me this information. Homeward Bound, after losing their farm in the mountains, an impoverished West Virginia family moves to Florida and must resort to taking jobs in a migrant camp where they become horrified by the working conditions. Where they become disgusted. <laughs> it, I, okay, it stars Ralph Waite, Paul Winfield, Jennifer Warren, Jennifer Jason Lee, Mitchell Ryan, Robert McNaughton. I have to ask Jen Warren about that next time I talk to her. Yeah, she was on the podcast. I didn't know she was in a, <laughs> a, a terrible 1980 movie. That what, Who would watch that? What in the world? Name three words in that description that make you say, I want to watch this. Okay. Um, Well, I can't, but I just wonder when they pushed this, when they said, like, what was the big surprise? Everybody that moves to Florida gets here and becomes horrified. (laughs) So what's the story? You're telling everyone's story. Yeah, that's it's I'm our still, lives. I'm still horrified 25 years later. <laughs> so I just had to say, so I would venture to say, I'll bet you CBS did not win the night. Um, it's probably a coin toss because Taxi and Soap were big. Yeah. Eight is Enough was kind of big too. Um, but Real People was also starting to, I mean, granted, it was probably very early because this is November. So um I say eight is enough, the ABC line, because those were established shows from previous seasons. I think um, this was the first season, so we probably didn't have enough real people for it to be uh, successful just yet. There we go. That is my assessment. All right. All right. Now. <laughs> so it takes us 90 minutes to two hours to typically analyze a 30-minute sitcom but we're just, I mean, because I'll be honest with you, David, about uh, a halfway through, I sort of gave up. <laughs> and, and and just because, just because daily motion, as you know, is is the devil. It's the devil's, it's, it's the worst. It, it's the worst and I love it and God bless it. And I don't know what I do without it. But God damn it, it's the worst. Now try watching it on your iPad while you're simulcasting or to why you're casting to your TV, because then it doesn't always kind of understand what you're doing. And between having the commercials for the different strokes on it, 
and then the ads from Daily Motion coming in. Yeah. That were three minutes long that you could that it wouldn't let me skip. It said skip, but it wouldn't let me. Um, and then every time it would come back from an, a Daily Motion ad, it would start over at the beginning of the episode. Oh, bless. Fuck me. I did not know that. And when, well, maybe just for me, you know, have we, we've met. Um, but, <laughs> and since it's on the iPad, you've got to move it with your finger, right? To like kind of fast forward. Yeah. You got to move the cursor with your finger. But Daily Motion says, uh-uh-uh, you ain't getting out of mi- watching one of these ads, motherfucker, mm. <laughs> by fast forwarding. So it starts, I'll get it to like halfway through the episode, and then it would start with another fucking ad from fucking... Mm. So oh, by, by, by the time Arnold dropped the keys, I was like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I was like, like at the Pia Zadora and Anne Frank, I was like, she's in the attic. Shoot them. Shoot them. Please put us out of our misery. Please, dear robbers. <laughs> so anyways, but <laughs> I wow. did. Enjoy. So you have a, don't you have an Apple TV? Yes. Isn't there an app, a Daily Motion app on Apple TV? You would think, but yes, it is the most unuser friendly. Is um, it? The interface is so fucking frighteningly horrible. Yeah, I've, that- I, I get it. Like Broadway HD was like that. That's why yeah. it was like, how, why can I not just slide my finger along? And yeah, here's my little secret. I paid money a few months ago to have a video ripper so I can pretty much rip most any video off of any website and download it to my computer. See, so I didn't, I don't deal with that shit. I'm like, don't deal with it, but it cost. it was like a ripper that cost me like 20 or 30 bucks for me personally. Well worth it. Just saying. So are we ready (laughs) to start this? Are we ready to let's do this? Can we, can we please, can we start this? Can we, can we stay on topic? Can I know. We? Can we stay on topic? All right. We start in the boys' bedroom. And <laughs> we are very quickly taught that they are getting ready for a big day. And, of course, the dad is all, um, hey, kids, let's get going. Ramon's ready. They got the limousine downstairs. All the wonderful mush mouth Conrad Bain. I, I'm getting it to you right out the gate, getting it out of the way. Kimberly's friend Tootie is Kimberly's girlfriend Tootie is on her way over. Yeah, <laughs> See, uh, I don't. It doesn't work for me. But he has to mention. Like, I put there's a lot of exposition in literally the first line. Yeah, it's like, are y'all ready to go to the amusement park? Kimberly and her best friend Tootie's on her way over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, wow. Conrad. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we get a hilarious sight gag. It's like Arnold, Dad's ready for us. Are you ready? And he walks out of the bathroom in a full samurai costume. Yeah. And this is kind of when I realized, no wonder Gary Coleman was bitter. Oh. He it, was a fucking sight gag. They, they do a lot here. There's, I mean, it's not, they certainly give him enough to do. He can't, be, he can't say he was suffering from Charlotte Ray season six syndrome. Right. Where. It's just, I was like, every fucking camera angles a sight gag of gary and bless his little heart he's got some great chops on him as far as like timing and physical comedy and stuff for some reason and what this samurai yeah full samurai and what this sight gag is for is because he wants to impress uh 
this girl, Tootie, this friend of Kimberly's, because he's got a crush on her. And somehow they say, well, she may not be interested in you. So then we get the hilarious sight gag of him committing harikari. For those who don't know what that is, that's the, the Japanese tradition of to avoid dishonor, you kill yourself. Yeah. So yeah. he pretends to stab himself and does the full physical uh, 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 all over the floor to the audience's great delight. And that's not to be confused with Harry Carey from the Cubs. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, we don't want the dear listeners to think that he stood on his bed and said, Hey, Dad, if I was a hot dog, would you eat me? I know I would. He actually committed, like, pretended to commit suicide. It was Hari Kari, not Harry Carey. Thank Hari you. Kari. There we go. For those that might be unsure. So, um, basically... There's talk about still him having a crush on Tootie and he wants to ask her to be his date for this, this family outing that she is joining for. And it's a uh, kind of sweet. It's very nice. Was that a thing? Like I, I was like, I guess being a gay boy, like I never ever had to deal with like, Oh, I'm, I need to ask this girl. if She'll be my date. Yeah. It's kind of like when I was nine, <laughs> What, yeah, that's I don't I don't get it either in, in terms of what the formality is, as opposed to it's like, what, well, what's the get? What is OK by asking her to be your date? Is it you think you might get a kiss out of her by the end of it? Is that do you do you want to hold her hand? I mean, that's that's kind of what I would imagine, but is not explained in the episode, of course. God, no. And uh, it's it's very, very weird. They do say that they do mention that um, Tootie and Arnold are 12. He said she's 12 and I'm nine. Mm-hmm. And that's... At, which is interesting because at the time, um, Kim and Gary were 11 and 12, respectively. Gary was 12 when the yeah. film, uh, like three months away from his 13th birthday. That will come in later. <laughs> that will come in. <laughs> I will mention that again later. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Um, and I'm going to go one further. You know, Matthew, I don't like to obsess over the age of the girls on the facts of life. You hardly ever mention it. So. I'd rather walk on my lips than bring up the subject again. Mm-hmm. But just want to make a, make a little note here that Tootie was 12 in season one of the facts of life. So here we are one week before the premiere of season two. Tootie is technically... 13, you are welcome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think we should talk about the rest of the show, David. Yeah, let's just let's shut it down. Let's just shut it down. Um, so then the next scene, we go down to the living room, anticipating the arrival of Tootie. And the next thing is that Arnold is laying on the aftershave and people are smelling things. And it's, it's, it's like they can smell a skunk or something. Yeah. What I okay, so he's putting on a lot of aftershave, thinking that will help to seduce her into I don't know what. And then physical bit for Arnold, he comes down the stairs in these gigantic cowboy boots. Who the fuck did those cowboy boots belong to? He gets those out of Conrad Bain's fucking Conrad's putting on some cowboy boots. 
Yeah, so we can go do the poop shoot and boogie. No, no. <laughs> After the boys go to sleep. Stop. Oh. Be nice. That old queen. <laughs> so we get the Pratt fall of him clunking around. Eventually, at the base of the stairs, he ends up falling. You know, at one point, somebody went, could he fall from the top of the stairs all the way down? Is there a way we could? Uh, no, we could. See? Oh, okay. Okay. I guess he can fall at the bottom then. Fine. <laughs> Come on. We can find, we'll find a Lester ventriloquist doll and use it. As a- <laughs> <laughs> Just throw it down the <laughs> stairs. No, it's the same can- size. Just throw the Lester doll down. Make a cut. Yeah. <laughs> so with all the clunking around, and then we get the additional sight gag of him uh, limping and stumbling his way over to the couch. And then he crosses his legs like, you know, a nine-year-old boy does. And when he crosses his legs, the boot falls off because the boot's so big. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know he, where they come up with this, this, these, because the, the boot was stuffed with a deck of cards. Cause that's what like you the, do, like you do. Like, as opposed to just newspapers, like we did back in the depression when we were kids. Like we did when we had to try on our mom's heels while she was at work. (laughs) I fit my mom's actually. I had big feet when I was a child. So sitting by my mom's nightstand, talking on the extension rotary phone, her shoes would be by the side of the bed. And inadvertently, I wouldn't even think, and I'd be putting my feet in her shoes. because Arnold is upstairs when Tootie arrives. And did you get a sense that they thought maybe they might applaud Tootie's entrance? Like, let's yeah. let's leave a little bit of space here just in case. My note is it was like they were waiting for applause that never came. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> why look, it's Tootie. <laughs> cricket, cricket. Okay. Well, welcome. Come on in. <laughs> oh, God. Somebody it's forgot true. to flip the applause sign. Uh, apparently. I wonder that they didn't, they could have dubbed it in later. Like it's like, oh, facts of life is a hit now. She's like, actually she's famous. Okay. In the reruns, totally. They could, could have, they could have done it. We probably would have been like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> um, so uh, when she comes in, Mr. Drummond says, uh, Hey there, Jody, how was summer camp? And she's like, oh, it was good. And she talks about getting sick and throwing up. And it's like, well, that's not good. Well, it's better than diarrhea. It was something gross. It was really yeah, a something joke. gross. They give, they give Tootie a poop joke. Yeah. Um, but here's a fascinating thing, Matthew. Tootie being at summer camp, that tracks. <laughs> because don't you laugh at me. How dare you? When we come to season two, episode one of the Facts of Life, the next week after this, first thing that happens, remember, Natalie's in the cafeteria. She picks up an apple off of the little buffet there. And Tootie comes in. And first thing she says, how was summer camp? And Tootie says, it's great. She says, we had a panty raid or something. Remember, she was talking about getting hold of boys bathing suits and you were you were kind of drooling a little bit. What? Yes, I remember. But now I'm not as interested knowing that um, some people had diarrhea. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Tootie, for killing that little. But how fascinating that they mentioned her being at summer camp. And next week, 
It is verified. It tracks. These are the most if that was an accident you have to wonder if that was an accident i know it it's truly i mean it had to have been but in terms of i'm like how hard is it to pay attention to this shit guys see you did it here but anyway um now here's a funny thing how was summer camp it's great and terrific are you looking forward to going back to eastland i hope you say hi to mrs garrett for us you know that woman that we have in common that we love so much and never, ever mention the time you're visiting. Just pointing that out. Just pointing it out. I mean, you know, uh, surprise there wasn't a synergy moment of, well, I'm sure things are going to be wonderful when you go back to Eastland School next week at 830 Central. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you're getting a new girl this year. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus, I, I hear a lot of girls left Eastland. Is that true, Judy? <laughs> so Mrs. Garrett is going to be the dietitian now, I hear. Isn't that exciting? That sounds like a completely new chapter in her life, as well as in those around her. <laughs> I remember when she was studying to become a registered nurse. <laughs> I sure hope she finds time in between her flying lessons and running the suicide hotline. <laughs> 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 oh, I needed oh. to laugh. Um, now he's got to talk Conrad into letting them stop at the bank so that he can d- withdraw $12 to take um, Tootie to the amusement park because he's going to pay with his own money because that's what men do. However, I mean, you know, I hear $12 going to an amusement park now and I'm like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I yeah. thought the same thing. <laughs> Enjoy your bottle of water. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yes. And before they leave, there is a cute scene where Arnold does ask Tootie to be his date and he's getting all bashful and shy and they play it very nicely. And uh, once again, this all kind of does track because in the new girl part one and two, remember Gary Coleman is a guest. They have him there to make sure the people tune in and the audience carried over. The very first thing we hear out of Mrs. Garrett's voice after the exchange with Tootie and Natalie is, Arnold! And he comes running in with the lobster, remember? Because you serve lobster at a fucking boarding school for girls. With Arnold there, remember, there were a couple of moments where he was kind of trying to get alone time with Tootie. And at one point, he comes up into the bedroom when they're talking about going and finding the guys and going to the chug-a-lug. Arnold comes in. He's like, hey, this room is taken. And then later to Mrs. Garrett, he's like, the girls went off and left me here. He goes, I wanted to spend time with Tootie. I'm going to be 90 before we finally get it on. And I'm like, yeah, when, when the nine-year-old is like, yeah, when am I going to fuck that chick? Damn. So, yeah. And I believe you drew the visual of him having to stand on a chair uh, in order to perform yep. some sort of a, a sexual uh, act I believe, on. I believe I said, like, he's going to stand on a chair and rail her from behind. I believe. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Can we, can we pull the tape, please? Can we, can we the, <laughs> Joe, Chris, Ray, Bobby. Sam, can we can we pull the no, we don't have the oh, okay, never mind. All right. So yeah, the boys go to the bank, and when they get to the bank, just as they're about to leave, Gary Coleman's like, wait a minute. 
when I first opened my account here, I never got my free toaster. So in his in Arnold's insistence, had they just walked out the door, could have gone and had a great time. But instead, Arnold's like, I want to talk to the manager because I never got my toaster. Excuse me, sir. Are you the manager? And the man turns around and who is it? Well, I wish I could tell you, David, but he's got pantyhose over his face. Is that really a thing? Do, do bank robbers do that or is that a TV trope, do we think? I've never robbed a bank and I've never known a bank robber because I don't live in 1890. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I also yeah. don't know if wearing a president's mask is... Is what you put on when you're going to rob a bank. True. Yeah. I would assume you would want, I always thought putting on drag would be a pretty good way of robbing a bank because God knows people would not be able to tell me from Carol Lee. Mm-mm. So I don't know, but I, I just, it's ugh, gross. Um, but good. So for them Matthew, for making, I'm yeah. not going to get in drag and rob a bank with you. Why would you propose that we do that? I'm just saying if, if you really don't want to, worry about working anymore because either way if you get caught you get your room and board hey, paid three for. squares a day three squares a day <laughs> just saying and if you don't if you don't get caught you've got all this money um yeah okay well that sounds like a financial plan that even Susie orman herself would approve of it's a dude with a uh, tough looking leather jacket and he's got an earring and the pantyhose over his head and the guy says Freeze. This is a holdup. And what does Arnold say? Arnold goes, what you talking about, mister? (laughs) 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 I I need a tissue. I need a tissue to dry my. Oh, my goodness. It's so so good the way they work it in. (laughs) Yeah, it's so organical, isn't it? You never know when it's coming. It just hits you. It's, like, but it's like, going to be there. Oh, like an iceberg. It just hits you. Oh. So, yeah, we get the catchphrase as we go to commercial. And yes, indeed, uh, this guy and another dude assisting him are holding up the bank. Yeah. I was must... his earring in the gay ear, David? Was his earring in the gay ear? It was in the <laughs> it was in the straight ear. It was on the left one. Right. No homo. Yeah. Uh, so the awful commercials. I just want to point out that you can tell that the it's it feels like a daytime target audience, uh, like you might see if you're homesick from work or something. And uh <laughs> The commercial that stuck out to me that might be a way to carbon date when this broadcast was recorded is that they have this Skinit website, skinit.com, where you can upload photos and it will, for a price, create decals out of your photos that fit over your flip phone, your iPod, your iPod with a big round fucking disc that you... And a screen the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just fascinating to me. I was like, okay, that is okay. We're, we're pre iPhone here, ladies and gentlemen. Well, when was the last time you watched daytime TV? Uh, uh, 
like live, like sat at home at 10 a.m. and watched because it's all that court stuff now. Yeah. In between it, every in between every commercial is, did you trip and fall? Yeah. You you could you could get money like for doing that. It's all you're absolutely right. It's all advertising for people who are between jobs, let's say. There's one commercial later for what is clearly a fucking pyramid scheme, multi-level marketing. Like, you know, we're not as fancy as Amway. Uh, shit, where is it? It's, I got to find it. SMC, you know, three initials. When it comes to creativity in naming your company, if you just want to name it with three initials, but it's, it's touted as America's best home business opportunity. And it shows a catalog and a, um, a, a big warehouse. It's like, do you want to work from home? Do you want to spend more time with your friends and family? Call for our free information packet. And it's, you know, I decided to call the number when I saw the commercial. And then I started selling the products and I got checks for 10, 20, even $50,000. And then it cuts to Tom Bosley and some chick from the commercial. And he's like, uh, call now. You have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. My God, it's like Tom fucking Bosley just went it's like, into your body and, and <laughs> did his business and came out, David. Not my, it's, not one of my strong ones, no. I'm calling you Rich Little from now on. I, you're no longer David Almeida. You are Rich Little. I'm no stranger to sarcasm, dear. No, I wish I were being sarcastic. It would be funny. <laughs> but Tom, Bo it's like, well, if Tom Bosley says I should sell fucking Amway. Apparently that's, that's the, the magical key. He's a successful guy. He must have done it by selling cases of adult diapers. I mean, <laughs> it's so weird to see these commercials. So the second half of the first part is uh, them dealing with We've got, uh, I believe there are three bank tellers, a bank manager. There are two bank robbers plus Arnold and Willis. Let's talk about the bank robbers, these actors, very, very quickly. Uh, the one that's the, uh, the Caucasian gentleman is named Woody, is the character, played by actor Michael Cavanaugh. And uh, he's got some credits, not a lot. Uh, you can Google him. But the other one, the African-American guy, he's a little more nervous, a little more chatty. You can tell not in his element. They do a good job distinguishing these characters that uh, clearly Woody is the one in charge and is the more heartless of the two. But the actor playing uh, uh, Thomas is Jesse D. Goins, G-O-I-N-S. And he is still working. He has 102 credits in a 42-year career. His age is not listed anywhere, but he worked as recently as the TV show Scandal, where he played a judge in, I believe, multiple episodes. In addition to uh, parts in movies like RoboCop um, and War Games, and then TV shows like Greatest American Hero, Hill Street Blues, Dynasty, Criminal Minds. He's got one of those crazy like good, solid, never not working careers. Bravo, sir. Yeah. And he um, comes back to different strokes as a cameraman later on. Does he? I didn't see that. Yeah, he does two episodes. 
Well, they cover the security cameras. They go to the security guard, uh, making sure the door is locked. And there's this moment where we're playing up the types of this, you know, the in-charge guy and the clueless assistant. It's like, go make sure the back door is locked. And the security guard, this wonderful old character actor also. Billy Beck. Billy Beck. And Billy Beck, the security guard. He's one of those actors that's been old since he was 25, probably. Yes, yes. Because I looked at his IMDb and almost every other one is like bumbling security guard or old man or or senile patient. Um, But he was in Valley of the Dolls with Diana Eden, our dear close personal friend. Yes. He also was on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, uh, playing a cop. He played a security guard on Married with Children. He also played a cop in the Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine movie, Irma LaDuce. It's like he seems to be a cop or a security guard in a lot of his roles. But I bet he wonder. I bet he hated um, Don Knotts. I bet he was <laughs> like, if Don Knotts hadn't been around, that's my career. Like my grandma always says, if I had gotten to Hollywood before Betty Grable, we wouldn't be sitting here with these assholes. <laughs> she said that to me when I was five at Christmas one day. Um, wow. So yeah, he's 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 doing his job as the yep. old bumbling security guard. He's he's doing magnificent job. But I like to think Matthew that the career defining role that he played while we're talking about Billy Beck was of course when he played Leonardo da Vinci in Electra Woman and Dinah Girl when the time-traveling sorcerer played by Michael Constantine of My Big Fat Greek Wedding travels through time to steal artifacts and works of art from the original artists. So he literally steals the Mona Lisa from Leonardo da Vinci, played by Billy Beck. Yeah. And what's his plan to do with it, to bring it back to the present day? And sell it for a lot of money. But it's not worth anything if he stole it and it's never been released from Leonardo da Vinci. Nobody's ever seen it. <gasps> Why? I'm going to call you Doc Brown from now on. Come on, your... Marty! <laughs> so meanwhile, out in the limousine, and Mr. Drummond is like, Jay, what's taking those kids so long to get that $12? So he goes in after them. And you, I wish the viewers could see the visuals of how you laugh of how my Conrad Bain. I am so happy that it makes you so happy. Oh, so much joy. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes and he bangs in the front door and it's locked. And he's like, what the fuck? My kids are in there. So they're like, okay, let him in. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So um, he says uh, at one point, he's like, tell Mr. Gibson, it's Mr. Drummond, meaning uh, I'm a rich dude. And this is my bank. They fucking know me here. So um, they bring him inside and then he sees the guns and then he goes over to be with the kids and all that stuff. It's uh, it's it's just crazy. It's crazy. The wackety schmackety act of taking hostages. Never not funny. (laughs) It's the slapstick routine of taking (laughs) hostages. So then Kimberly and Tootie also come up to the door and knock. And thankfully, while the guard is looking through the uh, the Venetian blinds there, uh, he does do a little bit of a take 
where he's like, sorry, we're, we're closed. And they're like, but my family's in there. My dad and my brothers. No, we're, we're closed. They'll be out soon. And then Dana Plato even says, is something wrong? And he says, no, everything's fine. And they show a close-up of his eyes looking through the blinds. And he does sort of a look, look, nervous eye. Like he gives her a really good signal like shit is not all right but i can't tell you and conrad bang does such a good job of of reeling it in and being subtle about it <laughs> give give me an example matthew please i mean it, 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 it he's playing to the last row of the third balcony in the tv studio next door <laughs> so <laughs> he's, uh, well yeah well, we do have an interesting moment that does uh, it does bring a little bit more uh, layer, a little more depth to the episode. So they say, OK, we're going to go back into the vault and get all of the money out of it. Like like the Thomas says um, they said that's all the money. And what he's like, really, you fucking believe them? Come on, we're going to go back there and get all the money. So bad guy is gone with the with the others. So then while we just have Thomas, the African-American bank robber, uh, right after Drummond says, OK, boys, stay calm. All they want is the money. They're just going to take it. They're going to leave and it's going to be fine. So just chill instantly. Willis goes after Thomas. He comes at him. Hey, brother. How could you do something like this? You're making it tougher on the rest of us. Yeah. And then even I think Gary Coleman comes in and says, there's a lot of good brothers out there, but all they're going to remember is you. That might still be Willis. But um, yeah. yeah, that was all Willis. That was I mean, and, you know, his dramatical work <laughs> is Todd Bridges. Dramatical wow. work is almost as good as when he fake laughs and does a cartwheel and, and mean, pretends to be high by acting drunk yes yes indeed God, <sighs> yeah so then now we go into we go into a little uh, racial discussion here and uh as only white writers can write for black performers the response is don't give me that jive you're telling a hungry man he shouldn't have the money to eat at which point the bank manager also african-american Mr. Gibson steps forward and says, uh, excuse me, I was hungry once, too. I came from the poorest part of Harlem, but I have never picked up a gun in my life. And then Arnold's like, you're from Harlem. We're from Harlem, too. And it's like, quickly, Thomas is like, really? Me, too. Where are you from? 124th Street. Do you know Crazy Harold? Ugh, I was there the day he bit the horse. Ah, my God, we're bonding. It's such a ridiculous moment, but to further play up how, boy, Thomas, this, this really was not a good career choice for you. Your heart is no. not in it. No, no. Yeah. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Um, let's talk about the bank manager, Mr. Gibson. All right. Actor James Reynolds. He is 75 years old. He is still working, Matthew. Yeah. Now, here's the deal, though. You know how I love to name how many credits and how many years? Yeah. And usually, like, the character actors, when they get up over near or over 100, that is fucking impressive. James Reynolds only has 26 credits over a 47-year career. Hmm. What a terrible failure. 
until you realize that one of those credits is playing the role of Abe Carver on Days of Our Lives for 2,587 episodes from 1981 to present day. He is on the show now and has been for 40 years. Can you imagine? <laughs> Holy shit! Doing a fucking soap for 40 fucking years. Uh, it pays the bills. He wouldn't have stuck around if it wasn't working for him. I mean, 25, almost 2,600 episodes. Holy shit. That's the main thing. Insane. So bank manager, yeah. respect, yours. respect. So very quickly, Woody comes back and breaks up all this talk and is giving Thomas shit for trying for bonding. It's like, what are you doing? You why I ought to you numbskull. I want to I want to go into Moe and Curly here for some reason. That is exactly what I was thinking. But yeah. I was like, no, that's the three students. Cause I was like, they put these two together because it's like that one of them's like, oh, I don't know what's happening. And he's yeah. like, why I oughta. It's like, yeah. again, oh. the writers. What are you talking? They're from Harlem too. Thank you, Rich Little. We can now, <laughs> we can now add um, Curly to your repertoire. Thank you. I will, I will add it to my list. So at one point, <laughs> he turns to the bank manager this is Woody now and says get me another briefcase because they've been bringing out stacks of money and putting them on the table at the bank but they don't have anything to carry it in he's like get me another brief it's like what, what do I look like a fucking leather store we don't keep briefcases around a fucking bank but somehow they have briefcases at this bank just in case they get robbed apparently I don't know. Do they? I mean, like, because you always see like people showing up like with a suitcase full of money. Like, how did how do they hand you if somebody like Philip Drummond came in and said, "I want all my money taken out of this thing"? How do I give it to you? Um, you a check? I, I don't. <laughs> I, I guess it would be you might want to go to the home office or something. I <laughs> we'll you know we'll we'll give you a duffel bag. <laughs> What the, the fuck? Home office. I mean, it's like what we're the we're the freaking branch here. I mean, yeah, we're in Manhattan. Look at the size of our lobby. We are not the main branch. This is this is a satellite. This is <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, and to further reinforce that, Thomas spills that money, and it's like, what are you doing, you numbskull? You're dropping all my and so they're like, okay, we've got the briefcases all packed up. We're ready to go out the door so long. Nobody's getting hurt. This is now over. And just as they get to the door, come on out with your hands up. This is Captain Burns. Give yourself up. The police are here and we've got the building surrounded. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dear. And so <laughs> Mr. Drummond <laughs> tries to also help. Why don't you give yourselves up? It's the sensible thing to do. You know, no. I mean, come on, guy, come on. Well, then Woody responds, I'm running the show, not the cops. And I got something they want. Hostages, all of you. Hostages, all of you. And if we get it, you get it, too. 
Oof. Promises, promises. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. End of the cliffhanger. Because it's not always that way. Because I've been in the room where somebody was getting it and I didn't get it. <laughs> Jesus. Can I get that in writing? <laughs> Mr. Bank robber. So when we do cut to outside and the police chief has got the megaphone, we see Kimberly and Tootie, and it turns out they smartly did piece together something wasn't right. So they did call the police and that's why they're there. So yeah. now we have a hostage situation. Thanks, Kimberly and Tootie. <sighs> if you just stayed in the sh- in the limo like we wanted you to. Yeah. Oh, but then we wouldn't have the cop there played by the wonderful Dick O'Neill. We love Dick O'Neill. <laughs> yes. I've, kne- I've kneeled for plenty of Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but this is before we before we start talking about Dick O'Neill, we really don't see his face, do we? In the first part. This is the cliffhanger. This is where he says, "Now I've got hostages." We do the slow zoom and the slow fade of conrad and the boys um when i say conrad i want to think conrad birdie from bye bye birdie but anyhow that's where the cliffhanger ends that is the midway point of the show so when we come back from uh the from the the commercial or i should say when we resume the story in part two it starts with the cops outdoors and that is where (laughs) we get you you talk about the dramatic acting of Todd Bridges, Matthew. Well, I hold up against that the dramatic acting of Dana Plato. Oh my God, she's a goddamn gift, David. <laughs> That's my family in there. So yeah, let's talk about Dick O'Neill. Fans of the Facts of Life will recognize him because he played the store detective in season two, episode six, shoplifting. And uh, he was the one that Mrs. Garrett ended up getting a date with. And then uh, we know why she wanted to date the store manager, because it turns out he looks exactly like Edna's high school sweetheart, whom she abandoned and felt guilty about and almost married in under a week after being reunited with him in season six, episode 17, Two Guys from Appleton, which is a very recent episode. We did that just a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah, Ted Metcalf, the fiance who kind of has disappeared is she's just kind of not around. It's like that that guy we were talking about. I don't remember. No, don't know. Not ringing a bell. The real writers come back from vacation. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> who's this guy? Um, yeah. Let's lose this guy and yeah. this guy. The kid can stay. Yeah. The kid stays in the picture. But the, Ryan, Ka- you hired sean cassidy's brother really anyway um so we continue this episode with the drummonds with with philip with with conrad trying to convince them to turn themselves in and they're like well maybe we should woody's like no we're not gonna do it and uh he's gone outside he picks up arnold and takes him outside yeah and says they won't shoot me when i've got a kid yeah now david I realize Gary is, is Arnold is nine, mm-hmm. but that man is carrying a 13 year old boy in his arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I wrote down, you really can't blame Gary for being a bitter grown up. <laughs> I mean, 
the shit as a 13 year old you're already awkward enough and now this fucking dude's carrying around like you're five yeah oh fuck and and kim fields is there watching and i mean i don't know i felt bad for him like he didn't have to carry him for christ's sake you know yeah and at one point he even said i'm too small to be a to be a bulletproof vest or something but it's like Ooh, and and it's ooh, just it's so macabre to think of. I'm going to carry a child out in case they try to shoot me. They'll hit yeah. the kid and so. Yeah, it got real fucking dark real quick. But thankfully, Todd Bridges said, "Get away from my brother!" And he goes, "Step back!" And he goes, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get away from my brother. You step back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put up too much of a fight, fucking Willis. Yeah. Wow. So there is a moment I have to point out Dick O'Neill as the police captain when it is realized when it comes out. And of course, Dana Plato probably that's my brother. And he realizes the kid is there. So the line that he speaks is there is to be no shooting. Is that clear? No shooting. (laughs) It's like uh, writers. Have you ever heard the term hold your fire? That's that's kind of basic police army talk 101 <laughs> that you wouldn't write that line hold your fire as opposed to there is to be no shooting of the guns in your hands that shoot bullets that is undesirable activity that will be frowned upon profusely and then he barely takes the megaphone away from his mouth and goes you girls better get away from here <laughs> That's clearly heard. Um, But maybe the writers needed to watch an episode of Enos. (laughs) (laughs) To learn actual police speak. Yeah. Yeah. See how cops talk. Yeah. Uh, Other weird moment when the guy walks back in with Arnold, both Kimberly and Tootie give these awkward little like bye-bye, bye-bye waves. It's like, what the, the, why would you, I mean, yeah. What? It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, Any What we end up having happen is uh, back in the bank, Arnold and Willis, they need to go to the bathroom. So while they're in the bathroom, uh, Conrad decides he's going to try to do some bargaining. So he yeah. says, look, my limo's outside. I can make some phone calls and I can help you. If it will make sure no one gets hurt, I will have the limo drive you to the airport and we'll arrange for a plane to take you somewhere like Cuba or some place where you're not going to be found or penalized. Uh, I'm one of the largest corporate. I'm one of the, I'm the president of one of the largest corporations in the country. He says, yeah. And now he's going to offer up his private jet (laughs) for this bank robber. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. And, And the bank manager says, I'll vouch for him. Dude is fucking rich. Yeah. And again, as I said to you before, what does he do? Is it ever explained what from where does Philip Drummond derive his wealth? What type of a I think it's just like a media company or something. We we did look it up and we found it. And it was, I believe, nebulous at best. Yeah. But um, anyway, so he says, I'll make this deal with you. And then he says, and you know what? I'll go along with you as insurance. And that way, no one will get hurt. My kids will be safe. That's great. And they're like, okay, you got a deal. And then he says, but let me tell my sons. 
let me break it to them that this is what's going to happen. And I do have to stop and say, at this point, various points throughout this, the guys have pulled off the stocking caps. Yeah. Where it's like, what? what? I thought you were, what the fuck? And they never put him back on. It's not like they put it on before they walk outside. For the police, it's like it was a prop that they put down and never picked back up again. Is this before or after one of the women says, um, we're never going to get out of here alive? I think that happens. That happens a little bit before this. The older teller. Yeah. Yeah. Because that woman is played by her name is Lillian and she's played by Elaine (gasps) Appleton. (sighs) Connection to Appleton, Wisconsin, birthplace of Edna Garrett. Thank you. Again, the writers were really paying attention back Mm then. Mm -hmm. This is it's still 1980. The Coke hadn't really taken over their brains. Yeah. 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 So that's how Coke came up with the slogan, the real thing. The real thing. <laughs> oh, God, those are the days, David. Mm. Uh-huh. Thin as a rail. Oh, <laughs> uh, between that and the AIDS diet plan, man, I was. <laughs> You're still never ready for that, are you? You are never prepared to hear the phrase, the AIDS diet plan. It's so goddamn wrong. (laughs) So dark. It's almost as dark as carrying a child out um, as your cover. Yeah. um, And on a comedy sitcom. (laughs) Yeah. So no sooner do the boys come out of the bathroom and he starts to explain to them what's going to be happening. Suddenly, the the boys change their mind. Well, basically, Woody changes his mind and says, you know what? Not going to take you. We're taking the kids. And it's like, wait, whoa, what? And he says, have you talked to these kids? Have you seen them? You want to be stuck on a plane with them? I know. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Oh, my God. What would have been funny is if the kids said, he said, no, we're going to take the kids. And Conrad Payne said, can I offer you Kimberly? (laughs) Oh, that would have been beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, oh, this was the point in the show when all this is going on. Matthew, that I realized Thomas is wearing a sports coat. He's dressed. It's like, what the unless it was a costume that he put on so he wouldn't look weird walking into a bank. But Woody, Woody's wearing a, a, a freaking leather jacket. Woody looks like a hoodlum. He's got a fucking earring. Yeah. So as they're waiting for all the arrangements to be made, Arnold says he's hungry. So they're like, yeah, let's order food for everybody. So then we do go away to a TV reporter talking to Kimberly and Tootie. And uh, he's asking them things like, do you think they're afraid? Do you think that they uh, are worried they might die? And Tootie's like, you ask the stupidest questions. And that's just a running gag because it's going to come back at the end of the show. That's like them starting a, a running joke. Somehow they work, they've got to get food delivered and it's yeah. through, the, through the night deposit, the night suppository box. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. When the food is delivered, it is, it is hamburgers. And it's like, well, how do they bring it in? It's like, tell them to use the night depository. And they say, okay, well, well who's going to get it? It's like, send the kids, kids go grab it. And Arnold says, I don't even know what is a night suppository. It's like, Okay. Wow. All right. That's pretty racy dialogue for a theoretical nine-year-old child to be saying on primetime television. 
I think I'm offended. I completely missed that, David. You, you, I, when I, you said that joke, you didn't catch that he said that. No, I didn't see that scene. That was ah! probably one of the times I was forward, fast forwarding, and getting. Do you want to see it again? No, it's okay. Okay, good. But just, <laughs> I thought I would be funny, but no depository instead of depository. And I love that you didn't even acknowledge it. Right, because I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I thought it was weird. <laughs> uh, so. Finally, the cops call. Matthew has muted his microphone, which means he is farting. Oh, he's shifting around in his chair. So we've got some big, big ass stinky farts going on. Your your hair straightening. That's so weird. It's more of a like a okay, like I can feel the bubble. Yeah, you know. Sure. Okay. Don't want it to be like a bubble, like of spit, you know, where you where you pop it and like spit goes everywhere. I don't know that kind of bubble. (laughs) (laughs) So while they they are on the phone, the phone rings and the cops and company are all making the arrangements Uh, while they're distracted while he's eating his hamburger. We have this very tight close up of some uh, very good silent acting on the part of Gary Coleman, where he looks over and realizes they've left the keys to the bank on the corner of the table. And he stops and he, you see him think, you see the, the gears turn, at which point he walks over and quietly grabs them. Willis sees it happen and Willis smirks because he's like, fuck yeah, my brother's doing something. And then when he has the keys in his hand, he walks over and puts his hand back in the night depository cut to outside Kimberly. What's that? I think I see my brother's hand sticking out of the slot. And uh, God rest her soul. Really? <laughs> really? But it's not like all eyes weren't on this. It's like, <sighs> oh, wait, what? What? All the cops suddenly were like, what? what? Oh, we weren't <laughs> looking at the bank. I'm gl- oh, thank- glad you sorry. noticed it. Thank you, Dana. Yeah. So very quickly, they hang up the phone, turn around and see him futzing over there like, what are you doing? And Todd Bridges is like, uh, he's looking for more hamburgers. You know, he's he's a growing boy. And so that's it. So they don't, you know, they, they don't realize what Arnold has done. So then the police get the keys and the great line. Let's just hope one of these keys is the key to the back door. <laughs> Name of your sex tape. Um, <laughs> let's just hope one of these keys is the key to the back door. Starring David Almeida. Um, hey, hey, hey. So they go back there and they're like trying fucking one key after another. You're at the back door. Pull the, f- blow the fucking door. You have a gun. Yeah. The fucking door. Barricade. What? You're going to sit here and try the key? Okay. We'll wait. Well- I mean, I think it's because the idea is to try to infiltrate it quietly, to take them by surprise. If they blow up the door, they'll just start shooting. I, I could kind of see that. I'm, I'm going to we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. All right. I was mm-hmm. just hoping it would get us to the end sooner. Yeah. <laughs> nope. No, I thought of the writing of the show. I thought they could have oh. written it that way. So it's like bing, bang, boom. And then they got the tickets. Yeah. And then and then this could have been a one parter. Because part two kind of is a slog. It, it really. Oh, it's like the second act of Music Man. It just keeps going. <laughs> well, then um, 
we have a moment where uh, they realize what's happening. Like they see the policeman sneaking in. Uh, Conrad realizes that he needs to start stalling. So he goes over and he's like, uh, well, that's my limousine over there. Wait a minute. That's not my chauffeur. At which point the two guys are like, wait, what? He goes, I think they're trying to pull the switcheroo. And then the kid, the, 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 the bank robbers go over to the window. And while they're there, he gets the kids and the boys out of the way. The cops sneak in, freeze, police, and the guys are apprehended. And in a super dick move, after they've got them apprehended, you know, head down, legs spread, frisk them, yada, yada. He walks over and says, oh, look at that. I guess that was my chauffeur after all. It's yeah. like, wow. <laughs> Rub it. I mean, yeah, Conrad. granted, you don't put you don't point a gun in my kid's face. OK, I guess you you've earned a couple of dick points. But wow. Just to, to try to do that as the laugh moment of the <laughs> he sure flim flammed them. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine like. Um, a witty retort would be the first thing in my head after being held hostage you know, yeah. for all those hours. But that's just me. Crazy. And my, my experience with being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, Matthew, ever been held hostage at some point oh, in your life? A strong word. Just, you know, because were you, mm, did you really want to be there, Matthew? Mm. Anyway. Um, Okay. Well, then the next scene is the TV newscaster back with the whole family. And uh, we get this. Are you glad to be out of this alive? We got a fucking cast recap in disguised as being interviewed for the TV for the cameras. Yeah. In case you missed part one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. So are you glad to have gotten out of this alive? Tootie again. You keep asking the dumbest questions. And then in the next scene, they're home watching the newscast and the newscast is, oh, it interesting it, it, during the interview, he says, like, you know, back to you, Jim, like, as though it might have been live. And yet when they're watching the TV for the news story on the actual news in the following scene, it's uh, there was a bank robbery in a Manhattan bank earlier today. The robbery was averted, though, thanks to the quick thinking and bravery of the New York police. Good catch, David. Well, maybe they were recording it. Like, you know how they do that. Yeah, they, they'll pre-record it, but yeah. And yeah. say, back to you in the studio. Yeah, because I'm live. Wink, wink. Uh, yeah. David. So the last moments of this episode are, uh, well, kid, tomorrow we're going to go back to the amusement park and have a wonderful time. And Tootie says, I'll still be your date, Arnold. And Arnold says, nope, I'm quitting women while I'm ahead. Since... It was that that led to the sequence of events that brought along the other shit. Yeah. Ding dong at the door. It's Mr. Gibson from the bank. Again, and he's... no applause. No. <laughs> it's like he's about to be on a soap opera for 40 years, you bitches. How dare you? I'm just saying the person who's in charge of the applause sign was sleeping on the job. <laughs> And so Mr. Gibson from the bank has a reward for Arnold in a big gift box, a magnificent television gift box where the lid is wrapped. It doesn't match the body, but oh my God, when you have a present on TV where the body and the lid 
are both separately wrapped so you don't have to tear the paper. I live for that shit. You know, I found out um, <clears throat> that TV shows, and this has been forever, when you see a person carrying um, grocery bags, they're like felt. Oh, because they won't rustle because the paper would yeah. create a sound problem, wouldn't it? Yeah. They talked about it on the Office Ladies podcast. and they, That's like, okay. I'm like, why does that sound familiar? You're right. Yeah. I did hear that. I love the Office Ladies podcast. I do too. So Arnold opens up this gift box and in it, Matthew, what is it? Oh my God. It's a toaster, Jamie. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. The callback to that thing that he was talking And I don't know about you, but after I had been taken hostage and with a gun to my head, the first thing I'm going to do, David, when I'm done is go get a toaster for this kid. That I'm mm. fucking, fucking, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he does say at one point when the gun is pointed in his face, the bank manager, he's like, don't try anything funny. He's like, I won't. I've got a wife and three kids, I think he says. I've got a wife and three kids at home. So, yeah. Thank God when you've almost not lived to see your children grow up. I'm going to go over to this other kid with a fucking toaster. And when he said, don't try anything funny, the answer should have been, do you know what show you're on? <laughs> we haven't tried anything funny yet. <laughs> so Arnold does say, and I have to say, I kind of agree with him. Arnold says, well, I was hoping it was a box of money. <laughs> it's like, I mean, true. That's what you have at a bank. And he says, well, hit the button. He hits it. Poom, pop, the toaster pops up and there's an envelope in it. And in it is, well, not a box full of money, but it looks like several $50 bills, I think. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. But it was, it was a nice little sum yeah. as a reward. And because that came out of a toaster, do you remember the final punchline line of the whole episode? Oh, God, I, I honestly had given up by then. Now, this is my kind of bread. Yeah. Yeah. And then the person hit, woke up and hit the applause sign. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, is it over? It's over. Good. Yes. Well, Matthew. Oh, I love you, David. I love you, too. Fool you thrice. Shame on all of us. Shame on the world. That we have this, and there's still one more episode, a crossover. It's the slumber party, and I believe we get Tootie and Natalie and Molly. I think we get Molly in that episode. Well, I always bring Molly to any sleepover <laughs> that I that I go to. So I think uh, I'm starting to think that's why I was getting invited. Honestly, but uh, um. <laughs> hmm. Well, on that note, what a what a perfect way to end another monthly installment of TV Talkaholics. This is David and Matthew telling you, Tutti Fruities, we love you. Thank you for supporting the show. And we will be back with you next month. Goodbye. Mwah! Till we get it in the ass somehow. <laughs> That's called a callback, David. Much like the toaster joke. That's Much like a callback. Callback. Perfect. Yes, it does. It takes different strokes to move the world.